Welcome to the Enchanted Ears Podcast, where we discuss anything and everything Disney. I'm Angela. And I'm Joe. And on this special Halloween episode, we are talking about spooky. all of the reasons why we love the Haunted Mansion. The spookiest <laughs> yes. of attractions. Exactly. Yeah. The, mo- the well, most Halloween. I don't know. Oh. I don't know. Tower of Terror is pretty spooky, too. It is. So, yeah, if you're, if you're talking Halloween, you're either talking Tower of Terror or you're talking Haunted Mansion. We're going Haunted Mansion today. Maybe next year we'll do Tower of Terror. That sounds good to me. But hopefully everybody's having a good Halloween listening to this before you're in like your sugar crash. <laughs> you know, listen before you eat all, all the candy. Uh, but yeah, hopefully everybody's having a good time. So before we talk Haunted Mansion, though, we're going to talk Disney news as always. So Disney announced that Blizzard Beach will finally be reopening November 13th, which when I read that, I'm like, why are they opening a water park in November? And then I remembered it's Florida. And it's always like 95 degrees down there. Not always. It's but pretty warm in Florida. Lar- like a large portion of the year. You know, where, whereas we get like four months that are tolerably nice. Florida gets like two months that are tro- like tolerably bad. Yeah. So it, it's still going to be warm there. So uh, if you're down in Florida in November, uh, you can go to Blizzard Beach. And they announced with this that they are putting in uh, frozen themed elements in some of the attractions. So... Blizzard Beach has always had some frozen special events and, and Olaf's been around, but they are permanently installing uh, a few frozen theme elements in some of the attractions, especially in some of the um, more like children's areas and, and popular rides uh, with the children. They have child versions of Anna and Elsa building their snowmen. Um, so it, it, it's pretty cool stuff. Um, pretty exciting, but it seems like Disney's really leaning into frozen themed uh, over at Blizzard Beach. Gee, I wonder why. Yeah, I wonder if like eventually they'll just rename it and it will just be, you know, some sort of like frozen themed water park, like instead of Blizzard Beach. I mean, they could easily convert it to Arendelle, you know, at some point. So this is maybe like the first step in that plan. Yeah, I could see them like maybe building the uh, like an Arendelle castle there and then maybe adding more ice elements like they could put an ice skating rink so that you could it could be like an upcharge um, or I don't know. I just think it would be an interesting thing that yeah i don't Disney know about an do. ice skater rink in a water park seems like a an odd well uh, mix frozen, there but... i think it doesn't well the whole water park's way. already themed to the snow and and everything right. anyway so I, yeah i think it, it would be an easy conversion so it seems like they're starting with frozen maybe eventually we'll get a, a full frozen water park and then we got a couple of trailers this past week so we got the trailer for the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special, which that comes out November 25th. Um, that looks pretty funny. That's going to be another one of these special presentations by Marvel. Um, so it's not a series, but not as long as a movie. Basically, the whole idea is that Peter's sad. They doesn't have Gamora anymore. So the Guardians go to Earth because it's Christmas. Um, and then what I think is really funny is... Uh, Drax and Mantis are trying to kidnap Kevin Bacon to bring him to Peter as a gift uh, to kind of cheer him up. And I, I think that's uh, pretty funny. That seems like maybe that will be a, a big chunk of the movie of them uh, trying to get Kevin Bacon. So that, that looks funny. I'm looking forward to that coming out uh, in a month here. Yeah, it looked really funny. I'm always excited to see more Mantis and Drax. And, you know, I think it will be a really good time. There was a kind of a shortage of Rocket in the trailer, I thought that there wasn't very much of him, and usually they're pretty rocket heavy. 
So I'm interested to see where Rocket is involved in this. But yeah, it looked really good and I can't wait for it to come out. Yeah, and then the other trailer was for Ant-Man Quantum Mania. This was a, a very interesting trailer. It seems like it's all going to be set in the quantum realm, which is this whole other universe. So we'll kind of get properly introduced there. I thought what was interesting is the song they picked was Elton John's Goodbye Yellow Brick Road. And I was like, oh, I wonder if that's a clue to what this movie is going to be about. Uh, you know, it ends with Kang offering Ant-Man saying, basically, um, I can get you back. I can get you more time. Uh, you know, what's it going to be? Are you going to help me? And so I actually looked up what does uh, the meaning behind the song Goodbye Yellow Brick Road mean. And it's basically about a farmer uh, who's saying goodbye to the Yellow Brick Road, which is uh, fame and wealth, and wants to go back to kind of the simpler, kind of easier life that he had um, where he wasn't famous and he was a farmer. And so I almost wonder if that's going to be what happens here. Because at the beginning, uh, it, it starts with Ant-Man talking about how he's an Avenger and it's showing him at all of these public appearances. And it, it kind of seems like... You know, maybe he's not as happy uh, as he once was. You know, somebody says, "Oh, thank you, Spider-Man." Like they don't even know who he is, so he's famous, but he's not really famous enough to to be known uh, who he is. And so I almost wonder if Kang is offering him the uh, ability to maybe go back to uh, a different universe or to go back in time before he was Ant-Man and so that he's not an Avenger and so he's not popular and he wants to go back to this kind of simpler time with his family. Um, and maybe that's the deal he's trying to make him. Now, knowing Kang is the villain, it maybe does not work out well for Scott and maybe he realizes, okay, now his family doesn't know him and this really isn't you know the life he wanted and, and things are worse off now. Um, that he's not Ant-Man, kind of like it's a wonderful life type thing. Like, oh, he's not Ant-Man and, and these you know worst things happen and that leads into you know the next Avengers movies or something. But uh, I, I may be reading way too much into this, but I thought um, that may be an interesting take on where this movie goes. So I don't think you're reading into it. With Thor Love and Thunder, the theme music behind that was Sweet Child of Mine. And a lot of that kind of ended up being about Gore, the God Butcher's daughter, and then Thor actually, you know, eventually ending up with her. So it did foreshadow large plot points of the movie. So I think that actually it's a really good idea that you had that this that Goodbye Yellow Brick, Brick Road probably gives us some hints as to what the movie will be about. But I think that you went the wrong direction with this. So I'm going to predict that Ant-Man gets what he wants that it was okay that everything got kind of undone and he's not Ant-Man anymore, but now his kid is Ant-Man. And so his daughter is going to take his mantle and he doesn't, he realizes the pressure he's now put on her. So, cause I think they're going to be working towards young Avengers. So I think that, oh, that yeah, might I mean, be... it, Cassie's already in the suit in the trailer. So yeah, she's definitely going to be, I think one of the young Avengers are definitely setting that up uh, as well. So uh, we'll definitely see about that, you know, with all these trailers and specifically with guardians, once that trailer dropped, news came out that same day that James Gunn is actually now running DC's movie studio. So Warner Brothers announced that oh. uh, James Gunn will be the co-CEO of the DC film studio, which will oversee all DC films, uh, television production, uh, all that sort of stuff. So it seems like once the uh, Guardians holiday special comes out and we get Guardians of the Galaxy 3, uh, James Gunn is done with Marvel and he is going to be going over and running DC, which I think is uh, very exciting because I think he'll do very well. The Peacemaker show was great. His version of the Suicide yeah. Squad was great. So I think it's it's good that he'll be over there running creative. And But I think it's also very interesting that 
he's definitely done with Marvel now. So I think, you know, the thought of oh, maybe another Guardians movie or something else, um, it's not going to happen with James Gunn because he's, you know, going to be kind of fully over on DC. I think it's a five-year deal, um, but it was pretty interesting, the timing of it too, where they dropped the trailer for the holiday special and they're like, oh, by the way, James Gunn's now running our movies. So here's my question. How many more Thor movies are they going to make? Because I think they could easily poach Taika Waititi to do the Guardians movies because I think it's a similar kind of flavor, kind of goofy off the wall. So I think that Taika would do a really good job with Guardians if they're going to make more Guardians properties going forward. Yeah, I don't know if they plan to make more Guardians movies uh, or not. But yeah, just a very interesting turn of events. And I think, you know, The Rock talked about Black Adams changing the balance of power. I think <laughs> James I think James Gunn, Gunn is is the bigger change over in, in uh, DC over there that I think they're now going to be a real contender to Marvel. And I actually think it, it's good. I actually think this is a really positive thing that DC is potentially going to get better and actually be a challenge to Marvel in the same way that you know, Universal getting Harry Potter pushed Disney's theme parks. And it kind of keeps, you know, both of them honest a little bit uh, of, of pushing, you know, the envelope and keeping things moving forward. You know, Marvel potentially could get a little bit stale if they have no competition. So having some true competition in DC, I think is going to help Marvel as well. And then one final uh, piece of news coming out for Disney Plus, they announced that they are going to be getting Doctor Who everywhere outside of the UK Disney Plus will be the home of Doctor Who starting in 2023. So I think that's pretty big news because that's kind of like the one fandom Disney doesn't have. Um, so now that they are going to have a Doctor Who as well on Disney Plus. Yeah, I think we're going to have to start watching that because it's one of the few fandom things that we don't have really any experience with. So we'll have to check it out just to see what it's about. All right, so now let's jump into our main topic, talking all about Haunted Mansion on this special Halloween episode. So we're going to go through the reasons why we love the Haunted Mansion, and we think it is a, a great classic attraction that Disney has. So the first reason is that just the Imagineers that worked on this are some of the biggest names in Imagineering, and uh, some of the you know great of the greats, and they all had a hand in in some way, shape, or form on the Haunted Mansion. So you had uh, Rolly Crump. We worked on the Haunted Mansion. He also worked on the Enchanted Tiki Room, and it's a small world. Yale Gracie, who also worked on Pirates of the Caribbean, and Mark Davis, uh, who very prolific, worked on a lot of the attractions you know, but just to name a few, worked on the Jungle Cruise, Enchanted Tiki Room, Pirates of the Caribbean, and Carousel of Progress. So, I mean, these Dang. are just these are just a few of the Imagineers. I mean, there are many more Imagineers that worked on this, but these are three of the you know bigger names that have a huge history and a huge legacy within Disney. And they had a part in the Haunted Mansion. Yeah, they left a big imprint, which kind of that moves really well into our next reason why we love it, which is the tombstones and their meanings. So, you know, if you're walking around the Haunted Mansion, it has one of the best line cues because you have so much to look at. There are little activities to do. There are the little in instruments that you can touch and they play music. But the tombstones are personally like one of my favorites because they're very tongue in cheek they have really funny little rhymes to them or they're just funny in general and a lot of them are also just rooted in these imagineers and kind of paying tribute to the imagineers so there's one for yale gracie which says master gracie laid to rest no morning please at his request farewell there's also one for mark davis which says in memory of our patriarch dear departed grandpa mark and he made a lot of the concept art for the Haunted Mansion. There's one for 
Claude Coates. It says, at peaceful rest lies brother Claude planted here beneath this sod. And he was the lead designer of the architecture. And there's a few more. I mean, there's a lot of different Imagineers that worked on this. There's one for Ex Atencio, one for Vic Green. So there's a whole bunch of these these that actually have more meaning to them besides just being kind of funny and rhyming. Well, that's what I mean. I, I love about the tombstones is I mean, you don't necessarily have to know who they're for or that they actually are for real people. But I mean, even the one you read, like lies here beneath the sod, like they're, they're all kind of tongue in cheek and uh, what happens. You know, they, they talk about how some of these people died and it, it's very funny. And so you can kind of just spend a lot of time in line reading these tombstones and, and they are very funny but then to know the names of the people are the imagineers and the people that worked on the attraction just adds like an additional you know level to it yeah two of my favorite ones are uh the rust in peace cousin hewitt we all know you didn't do it which was uh a tribute to cliff hewitt who is an interior designer in the mansion and then in disney world there's one for madame leota so they like most of the a lot of the Tombstones are the same, but there are some differences between Disneyland and Disney World. But the one for Madame Leota says, Dear Sweet Leota, beloved by all in regions beyond, but having a ball, which is hilarious, like such a good pun. And then the other thing that is crazy about this one, which I've never noticed or seen, apparently it's like an animatronic. So she opens her eyes apparently on the tombstone sometimes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That tombstone does uh, move. Yeah. I never, never noticed it before. So I'll have to look for it the next time I'm there. Yeah. So let's talk about Madame Leota since we mentioned that uh, as that tombstone. So uh, Madame Leota is actually named after Leota Tombs, who is an Imagineer, who she worked on the Haunted Mansion, and actually Madame Leota is her, the original Madame Leota. They recorded her face for the crystal ball, uh, and so she she's named after her. And I think she, besides maybe the bride, is probably the most iconic character from the Haunted Mansion. I mean, everybody knows that seance scene. Everybody knows Madame Leota. And that's a like a really incredible effect, too, of that crystal ball with the face and the ball as it kind of floats around and everything. And that whole scene just really sets the tone for the whole attraction. And it's great that she was, yeah, just kind of like an Imagineer that worked on it. And they're like, Hey, you would be great for this part. Well, that's the scene that I'm always, besides the, uh, the dining room scene, that is always the scene that I hope that I get stopped at because I like to hear the incantation that she says, because I feel like I always hear the same portion of the incantation i actually looked it up before this episode and it's way longer than i thought it was yeah so so the entire incantation is serpents and spiders tail of a rat call in the spirits wherever they're at rap on a table it's time to respond send us a message from somewhere beyond Horn toads and lizards, fiddle and strum. Please answer the roll by beating a drum. Goblins and ghoulies from last Halloween. Awaken the spirits with your tambourine. Creepies and crawlies, toads in a pond. Let there be music from regions beyond. Harpies 
and furies, old friends and new, blow on a horn so we'll know that it's you, wizards and witches, wherever you dwell. Give us a hint by ringing a bell. I don't remember ever hearing the part that she says, creepies and crawlies, toads in the pond, let there be music from regions beyond. I remember the music part, but I don't remember the toads part. So it's just very interesting. It's, it's you know, several like little stanzas, or not little stanzas, but several t- couplets long. And I feel like I always hear the part about the tambourine, but it is just all in all, just really good for setting the tone of the whole ride and just making it, you know, kind of like creepy. It has that really cool, creepy vibe being in that room and seeing different parts and hearing the tambourine. I don't know. It's it's just it's just fun. And then you actually get to see Leota again, although it's it's she's called Little Leota or the Ghostess, which is the same. Uh, it is Leota Toomes is the face and voice of her. But she's at the very end of the ride as well. Yeah. And I think, you know, the, the next reason why I love the Haunted Mansion is just the overall spooky macabre vibe um, but also the humor of it and i think you know in in the history of the haunted mansion this attraction took very long to build and to actually come to fruition and it's because it it changed what it was going to be and i think you know disney and the imagineers they couldn't fully settle on do we go extremely scary do we go something that's not family friendly, or do we go something that's you know really funny, super family friendly, and they couldn't really settle on it. I mean, Disney was thinking of this attraction or something for this before Disneyland was even built, but then they decided, no, I don't want to run down kind of old building in my park. Mm-hmm. But then they announced, okay, we're gonna we are gonna do something, and that was an- announced in 1961 for a 1963 opening date, and they built the facade of the building. But the actual attraction in it didn't open until six years later, until 1969. And some of that's because they were doing the 64-65 World's Fair, which if you haven't listened to our episode on that, go check that out because that World's Fair changed, I think, the history of theme parks forever. Uh, You had Walt's death and kind of just, again, the conflicting idea of the theme. And so, you know, ultimately what you got is this blend of both because they kind of had an Imagineer working on it that had kind of the spooky side of it, one that had a little bit more humor, and they kind of blended this together because they were they were both going down you know their own path, and they realized, okay, going fully one way or the other is not going to work. We need to blend these together. And I think that's what some of the magic is in the Haunted Mansion is that it is this blend of spooky uh, but yet funny as well. Yeah, I think that if they would have gone with a single singular theme in this one, it just wouldn't have as wide of an appeal. And it is creepy. I don't particularly love creepy as a person, but because it is funny and you have these like little busts of heads singing in the graveyard and the funny little tombstones, it adds some levity to the ride. And it just, I think, really helps to have more mass appeal. You know, I like I like creepy with humor. Supernatural, for example. Great show. I couldn't do it if it was all just a drama. If it was a... It, it has humor to it, which keeps you engaged. So this was a really expert... Like, really great that they blended these two together because it just produces a really great mix, like peanut butter and jelly. Besides Madame Leota, mentioned The Bride is the other kind of most popular character. Constance Hatchaway is the current version of the bride. 
And I think she is just another reason to love the Haunted Mansion. You know, she is essentially this black widow who kills black all of her husbands. Uh, and, you know, if, if you understand the backstory of her as well, especially that attic scene where she's marrying these men and killing them kind of for their money and they progressively get more and more wealthy. And that's kind of portrayed in the pictures and the clothing and everything they wear. And so as you're going through that attic, it's kind of her going essentially up the socioeconomic ladder by murdering her husbands, which is like a very dark twist on things, but also a kind of humorous thing. So kind of going back to that kind of, you know, spooky and funny vibe. It's like, well, that's one way to climb the ladder. I think the part that maybe makes it funny, because, you know, I'm, I'm thinking like, well, murder, not funny. But when you think back to the 1900s, which is when the Haunted Mansion is taking place, like early 1900s, women didn't have that social mobility. They didn't have that ability to, you know, really even survive past a lot of times when their husbands passed away. So it actually is kind of like she found a, the loophole in the system where she was able to actually make way for herself. And so in that way it does, you know, take on a little bit of a humorous tone because it's like in a society that is against her, she has found a way to make it work for her. So that's kind of cool. And the other part about that scene that I absolutely love is the hats, which we had pointed out to us by Chris Smith, who wrote a book about Disney and we interviewed a while back, check out his book. It was really interesting when he pointed that out because I'd never noticed the, the hat rack before, but it has the hats from the various different husbands that she had on it, which is just a nice little you know, kind of Easter egg. It's really hard to see the hats because it's very dark in that room. But if you look, and I think it's on the right side, you can see the hats over there and start to recognize them from the various husbands that she had. The other interesting part about Constance Hatchaway is over in Paris, they have a different version of, of the, the bride, which this isn't the Haunted Mansion. It's Phantom Manor, which is a different you know it's their take on it but she actually was cursed by her father and so all of her husbands actually died she didn't murder them so I, I mean there's just a lot there again that's the kind of thing about Haunted Mansion that I also really enjoy is just the fact that there's so much that goes into it and if you know a lot of the background and the history and things to look for it just makes the ride so rich that you can't help but love it. Yeah, and speaking of hats, the next reason why we love the Haunted Mansion is the Hatbox Ghost. It was probably the most famous ghost living in the Haunted Mansion. Now, currently, the Hatbox Ghost only exists over at Disneyland, but at this D23, they announced that Disney World is going to be getting the Hatbox Ghost. Hopefully, that actually happens. Hopefully, <laughs> unlike their track record of announcing stuff that doesn't happen, that, ha that actually happens. But the Hatbox Ghost is a really cool effect, and I think something that adds a little flavor to Disneyland because we don't have that in Disney World. So it is very yeah. exciting when we were in Disneyland. Like, oh my gosh, there it is. There's the Hatbox Ghost. So I think having it in Disney World is going to be great. Um, but it is going to take a little bit of that kind of specialness off of the Disneyland one because it's like, oh, we have that one too now. We can we can see that anytime. But, uh, but overall, yeah, the Hatbox Ghost is pretty great. Yeah, I'm excited to see it in Disney World for all the reasons that you mentioned. I, he's really iconic and really, I think... The Hatbox Ghost is—is is he in the the mirror scene at the very end? Sometimes, like he's one of the characters that pops up. Uh, I don't know. I think those are the hitchhiking ghosts at the end there. I don't think he pops. Okay, up Okay, yeah, yeah. Because I'm just trying to think. I, he's literally not in it at all in Disney World currently. But I don't see them canceling this either because all they have to do is duplicate an animatronic. It's not like a full fledged like 
thing that they have to do with multiple moving parts. They just literally have to make a replica of what they already have. So I don't see this one getting canceled. I bet this one goes through. And on top of the the Hatbox Ghost animatronics and you know, Madame Leota, those kind of special effects, they have just a lot of like really old school cool special effects there so you know they have like the stairs that go to nowhere they have you know the clock that's kind of spinning and and the floating candle but even on top of that like just the stretching room uh, is really neat and pepper's ghost which is a really kind of old school technique that had been you know used for decades um and there's just the way they utilized it here uh, in a really unique way to bring that ballroom scene to life uh, is just really incredible yeah the Stairs remind me of, and I'm wondering if they weren't inspired by like MC Escher because he had paintings where there were stairs that leaded that led to nowhere and kind of seemed almost infinite. They're just a lot of really cool, like you said, effects that, you know, I feel like many different theme parks might have or just like parks might have kind of creepy, spooky rides. But this one, again, is just different because of all of the other factors that are you know the things that we're mentioning right now yeah i actually read that a lot of this stuff was inspired by the winchester mystery house in california that walt went there and they have stairs to nowhere and doors that open to walls and things like that and walt was you know kind of taken by that and you know wanted to incorporate a lot of that into the haunted mansion so i don't know if it if it came from there or to your point like a you know mc escher painting um if it came from there but there's probably some inspiration um, from both of those as well. Another reason why we love this ride is that it is so re-rideable that no matter what, you know, we're mentioning all of these things and some of you may have known all of everything we're talking about, or you may have known a small fraction of it. I mean, there's just so much that went into the Haunted Mansion. And if you don't, you know, I would highly recommend there are documentaries on Disney Plus also that talk about the Haunted Mansion. I would highly recommend watching it because it is just so steeped and rich in history that when you go through it you know these stories are kind of circulating in the back of your mind and some of these different features that you know are really cool that we are mentioning you have to look for them and every time it kind of becomes like a where's Waldo sort of 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 cool things that are in the Haunted Mansion. Yeah and and to kind of add to the rewritability so I think like you said everything we mentioned just makes adds to that rewritability. So I mean, you know, Madame Leota, the special effects, all that stuff. It's it's interesting. It's a lot of fun to see every time you ride it. But then to your point, like the story elements of like the hats from the husbands of the bride. Mm-hmm. Of, that's not something you know or something you see. And but once you know it, you're gonna want to go back and rewrite it and pay more attention. Yep. And I mean, there's a ton of stuff in that attic scene, you know, that you're not gonna catch. It's gonna take a lot of times to ride. Uh, as well. So because of that, and even on top of that, we you also have an incredible song in the graveyard scene, Grim Grinning Ghosts, um, which is one of, I think, my favorite theme park songs. And it's actually written by composer Buddy Baker, uh, who's a pretty famous composer. Uh, he wrote music for the film Many Adventures of Winnie the Pooh. He also composed the music for Great Moments with Mr. Lincoln. Um, so he's, he's done a lot of theme park work, a lot of movie work. He actually uh, wrote the music for the song Grim Grinning Ghost, which is a great song and really... It's an interesting vibe change once you go from that attic scene to that graveyard scene and the ghosts are partying and happy, but it's a very fun song. And even though that tone changes, it works well within the Haunted Mansion. Yeah. So a few really interesting things about this song that I found out by kind of researching this is, first of all, 
the name Grin, Grinning Ghosts comes from a poem, Venus and Adonis, by your buddy. You have any guesses? My buddy? No. No, you love him so much. He's your favorite author of all time. F. Scott Fitzgerald. <laughs> no, William Shakespeare. I know you. you oh, t- William Shakespeare. You tend oh, to yeah. quote him in your yeah, sleep, oh, you yeah. know? My buddy, William Shakespeare. <laughs> but yeah, this, so this is one of his first publications. And there is a line in there about grim g- grinning ghosts. And so that's where the, the name of the, the song comes from, which, you know, as an English major, I'm like, oh, ner- like I, I had a little nerd attack. It was very exciting. Grim grinning ghosts love to socialize. <laughs> and then also the other thing about this that just completely blew my mind, and I'm still trying to fully understand it just because as a non really like musical person, I'm having like I, I, I it it's kind of registers because I did play the piano when I was younger, but it doesn't fully make sense. But basically the music, the organ music and some of I think some of the other instruments they actually had some of the instrumentalists play, uh, read and play the music backwards. So they started with the last note on the right and then read to the toward the left and went the whole way upward till they got to the top of the page. Wait, so they were they they played it backwards. They played it, or backwards. they played it normal, and then they like recorded it normally. And then when they played it back, they played it back backwards. No, they how do played you play? It. How do you play music so they, backwards? Well, they read it. So instead of That's like, impressive. if you were reading, yeah, if you were reading a book, instead of reading the the first word on the top yeah, left, it would come out like mo- gibberish. If I did that though. Well, yeah, they did it backwards, but the reason why they did it is so when they played it forward, or like when they reversed it and played it forward, then the the way that the like the 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 note sounded, that's what gives them that kind of discordant sound where they kind of start with like that long drag and end kind of like more abruptly. But you think about a piano, when you strike a piano, the note is crisp at first and then you hold the pedal down and it kind of blurs and drags out the sound. So that's why it sounds the way that it does. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this is so crazy. And why did, how did they even think to do this? So like, I mean, just absolutely mind blowing that they had this thought to make it sound different and weird by doing this. And I think that's also why the timing is a little off because it would be really hard as a musician, you know, you don't want it to sound good. So if you were a good musician, which they're going to hire to get to do this, it would be hard to play it kind of poorly because you're so good at being good. So they had him play it backward and that kind of threw it off. So it's just really cool. Yeah, that, that's really interesting. I didn't realize they did that. That's pretty impressive because I feel like that would be so hard. Because to your point, like reading backwards would be difficult because it would just kind of be gibberish. I can only imagine trying to play a song backwards it would just have to be so incredibly difficult. Uh, and then to your point, to even think about that, I'm like, oh, we wanted to have this different sound to it. Um, so we'll just make everybody play everything in reverse uh, is pretty amazing. Yeah, it would be hard to know if you made a mistake, too, because none of it's going to sound very good. So. Yeah, you have to play the whole thing and play it back. Okay, yep, that sounds good. Or we screw up that one note. Yeah, really, well, that's that sounds, really interesting. That sounds good because it sounds bad, but it sounds good bad, not bad bad. Like, it would just be very, very confusing. Okay, another thing that we really enjoy is there are a few different hidden elements. Again, we've been talking about this throughout, but a few more hidden elements that you can look for next time that you're down in Disney World. Where there, um, if you look at the scene where there is the floating candelabra uh, that kind of in the hallway that goes forever, there is a chair there in the front, and on that chair in the upholstery is actually a hidden Donald instead of a hidden Mickey. So that is a really cool thing to keep your eye on. And then when you're outside of the building, 
you can look up and on top of the building, there are chess pieces because Mark Davis was a big fan of chess. And as the story goes, he actually kept a chess set in his in his office. And whenever things got kind of stressful, he would play games of chess uh, against himself or replay matches and try to you know use that as a method to kind of take his mind off of things. And then he would go out to lunch and people would mess with him and put his chess pieces on top of the model of the haunted mansion. And then whenever it actually, you know, the designs of the haunted mansion got finished, he looked at it and thought it was missing something. So he actually took the chess pieces and put them back on top of the haunted mansion. So it's just a really cool story and a really cool thing to look for. Cause when you're actually looking at the, at the roof, you know, you see the little spires and things and you just, it might not even register to you that there are actually they're in the shape of chess pieces. They are chess pieces. And that's a nice little nod to Mark Davis. Our last thing is that the Haunted Mansion has the best merch of any ride. So they're always releasing really cool uh, Haunted Mansion merch. I got really good pins from the Haunted Mansion. I have great shirts from the Haunted Mansion. I have a spirit jersey. And I'm really waiting for them to start doing this for the Tower of Terror. Well, I think it's because you have so many iconic characters. Well, yeah. You have Madame Leota. You have the Hatbox Ghost. You have the Hitchhiking Ghost, which we really haven't mentioned too much. You have the Bride. So, like, there's a ton of iconic characters from that attraction, where, as most Disney attractions, even like the Tower of Terror, there's not really iconic characters there. I mean, it's based on the Twilight Zone. Yeah, there are, you know, the people that went missing, but, like... Nobody really knows what they look like. Um, same with, with Pirates of the Caribbean. There's just a lot of pirates in there. There's not necessarily like one specific yeah. pirate. I mean, you have Jack Sparrow. <laughs> I was just going to say, there's no... But, but they added him Maybe in there after the fact. I mean, you have uh, Red now. I mean, she's kind of like the iconic pirate in Pirates of the Caribbean. But you don't have a lot of characters like that. And most of the attractions, you don't have a lot of characters like that. Whereas the Haunted Mansion... You one, you have a vibe. People like spooky. People kind of like that vibe. They have that just kind of like iconic print of the haunted mansion everywhere. That's like the wallpaper that they've mm -hmm. you know used in a lot of stuff. And you have these characters. So I think all of that added together, you have a lot of iconic things that come together that make it really easy to design merch for. And I think to your point, that's why this attraction has like the best merch because it's easy to design for and people know immediately what it is. Well. Since we did the the run Disney race that was themed to the Tower of Terror, I do I, I kind of have seen how you can make it more of a thing. You know, you, they don't have particularly characters, but they have that uniform that is very well. That's iconic. what it was. Yeah, they dressed all the and characters so, up yeah, in that uniform. Yeah, if you put you know Mickey and Goofy in those outfits, and they then, do have that. I mean, that's some mm -hmm. of the merch they have now. But again, it's just. I feel like it's not as iconic, and it's not the volume of that. I mean, there's only so much you can do with. Hey, we're gonna put our characters in this you know, in this bellhop uniform versus again, where, you know, the tower of terror, where you can do different lines of clothing, clothing for Madame Leota, different line of clothing for the hat box ghost, et cetera, and just go from there. So I think that's just why you just have so much more merch for the haunted mansion. All right. But that wraps up the show this week. We'd love to hear from our listeners. What your favorite thing about the haunted mansion is head over to our Facebook page, enchanted ears and let us know over there. I want to thank everybody again for listening this week. If you've not done so already, please leave us a rating or a review subscribe wherever you get your podcast. It really helps. And we really appreciate it. Thanks for letting us your ears. Have a great week, everybody. And we'll see you here next Monday. Bye-bye.